Father in heaven, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity this morning we have to come together to be here in your presence. Lord, as we share and as we talk and as we dialogue here this morning, specifically about what you are asking of your schools for these times we're in, Lord, I just ask that your spirit would be in this room. Do not let Satan be here, Father, and, and, and take away any distraction from our minds, Father. I ask, Lord, that you would bless, you would guide, and that we would be able to be clearly understand what you're calling us as a people to do and to be for your soon return. In your name I pray. Amen. So before I dive into um, what we're doing at Fresno, I want to share a little bit of my story, a little about who I am, um, so you can get to know a little bit about where I come from, and maybe start putting the little dots together. I graduated from Southern Adventist University in 1997 with a a degree in physical education. And I was was teaching at Atlanta Adventist Academy, and teaching PE, and I was vice principal, and my, my oldest daughter was getting ready to be in kindergarten age, and my wife and I were just so convicted, we were so convicted that we did not want my wife working when our kids were being raised. We wanted her to be at home. And she's a nurse, and I was a teacher. And on a teacher's salary, that's very difficult, very difficult to do. And so we, we transitioned. I transitioned out of education for about seven years, went into um, business for myself, was a mortgage broker, uh, a banker, worked at a local bank, and were able to have our kids raised at home during that time. And about, I guess it was 2010, no, 2011, got an invitation to come out and speak for the SoCal Camp Meeting in Central California Conference. Um, and I was on the board for a ministry called Kids and Discipleship, about how we, can, how we can disciple our kids better to Jesus Christ, family worship time, and, and being intentional about our own time alone with God. And so through that journey... Uh, got connected with the education director of the Central California Conference. Found out my degree was in education, background in administration, as well as teaching. And he says, Eric, you know what? I've got a, I got a school that's going to need a principal. And I said, no, thank you. We were happy in Happy Valley. If you've ever been to Chattanooga, to College Dale, there's a term. It's called Happy Valley. Um, it's a huge conglomeration of Adventists, and it's a mecca there. And... Um, that has its downsides as well. But we were content there. Our kids were going through the school system. I said, no, I never want to go live in California. I do not want to be in California. And repeatedly, we said no. But God made it crystal clear, crystal clear, that he was calling me and my family to Fresno. I had no idea. I had to, I had to look where, where exactly Fresno was on the map. Um, so through much prayer... We transitioned to Fresno Adventist Academy, and this is my fourth year as the principal there at FAA. Um, On the campus, we are blessed with 40 acres. We have 40 acres on the campus, and while those 40 acres are in, it's, it's, it's a lot of land, it's right in the smack dab of the city. It is surrounded with, um, the airport is right there. It's, it's, it's not in a, a country setting. So you think, wow, 40 acres, that's amazing. But it's 40 acres that's been there for a long time, but everything else is built up around it, if you can get the picture. Um, and 
when I, when I re we came to FAA, they had about 12 acres, roughly, that was just a big dirt field. Um, and a huge field, and also there's some citrus, some citrus trees that are there as well. They had citrus, pro pro citrus products that they were selling at the oranges from the school. And we had, I met with my board and I says, what should we be doing? What should we be doing with this land? And I was at this time, this was my second year at FAA, I was starting to dive into some of Ellen White's counsels even more. I said, what is, God, what is Ellen White saying? What is the Bible saying that our school should look like for the times we're in? And as I was doing this, I, I was also convicted that we need to sell our home. When we came to Fresno, we bought a house about 10 minutes away. And we were living there. But there was an old home that was on the campus that was built in 1912, but it had gone into disrepair. And I was convicted, along with my wife, that we needed to sell our house and then help with renovating this property on the campus. We could move to the campus, and it could be a center of, of, of influence for the students. We could have vespers, worships. We could have our, our community come together there at the school. And so we did that. The community got together. We renovated the property. And I moved onto the campus on my, in my second year at Fresno Academy. And every morning I would get out. And as I would get out, I, I enjoy getting up early and I enjoy walking. And just walking and spending time with God as I'm walking. And we have this, this property while it's in the city. It's actually a little refuge there. And I was I walk in, in the mornings and I'm looking at this vacant land out there. I'm like, Lord, what do you want? And I've got board members are saying it should be an RV park. We should, we should have it be... Rent out for RVs, we should do this, we should do that, and, and, and nobody could come together as far as what we should do with this just dirt. It was just big dirt patch. And, and at the same time, I was, I was having these strong convictions, strong convictions that God is desiring. He is desiring a school that can be raised up as a model to the world of what he wants to see happen when the, a school is standing for the right and is willing to put all aside and, and abide by what God's word says and what the spirit of prophecy teaches us. And so I can distinctly remember one morning I was walking and I looked at that and it, it just was just like, I've never heard the audible voice of God. So I, I would be clear, I've never heard God speak audibly. But if you're listening and you're praying and you're in tune with God, you can know when his spirit is speaking to your heart. And you can know when God is, is saying, move, it's time to move. And I can tell you distinctly, God said, Eric, raise up a farm. Raise up a farm and teach these kids about agriculture, and about work, and, and, and do it in a manner that's going to integrate it into your curriculum, hand in hand, so it's not just um, an industry that's separate from the school, but weave it into everything you're doing. So I went and, and shared this with my board, and I got <clears throat> to first, first give you a preface. 
I know very, very little about agriculture. Okay? Not, uh, very little. My wife, Trish, would tell you, you, you know nothing. Okay? It's, it's, it's minimal. And I will tell you, my learning curve has been very sharp, and I still have much to learn. Much to learn. But, but I believe, I believe that God does not call leaders that are experts in every field, but God asks leaders to be wise and surround them with experts. And, and find people that are, that are knowledgeable, that are living according to God's principles, according to God's word, and surround yourself with those individuals who are going to uplift you and support you. And so I went to the board two years ago, and I shared with them this vision. And I can tell you that I had some people who were on board, and I had some strong naysayers. And they started ticking off how, Eric, agriculture and education does not work in 2000, and this was 2013. It just doesn't work. It just, you just, it just fails every time, and they started ticking off school after school who have, over the years, closed their farm for whatever reason, and, and schools that have tried it, and it's, it's, it's gone by the wayside. And, and money's not there, and, and, and it, it was shared with me how, no, you need to have this big monocrop, and, and the only way to do this is to do it on a large scale, and, and you're not going to be financially viable. And so I came back, and I said... I said, Lord, help me. Help me. And so I went back to Scripture. I went back to, to education, the book Education. And I reread. And I was more convicted than ever that, no, it is what God has asked us to do. We need to be doing this. And the reason that we failed in the past is because it's been our own doing and we have not been truly in line with what God is asking of us. And God is wanting of us. And we've been parse and parcel in it. And it's been too much of, well, I think it needs to be this. And I think it needs to be this. Instead of, what does he think? And what does he want? And what does he desire? And what is his goal for our schools? And so I went back to the board and shared this again. And my board caught the vision. They caught the vision. And... This was in November, I guess it was, and two years ago. And they said, well, okay, Eric, your first step is you, you got to find somebody that knows something about farming. Who's going to come run this thing? And so <clears throat> about two weeks later, one of my board members gave me a call. He was at an iShare conference in Central California, uh, Central California, where it's a, if you don't know what that is, it's, it's a, a bunch of individuals and youth come together for a weekend and they share how they are sharing Christ and they share what they're doing through um, literature evangelism and different things. And at this conference, he said, hey, I met this guy. His name's David Obermiller. Don't, don't know him, but we started talking and he might be able to give you some, some insight into what you need to do to find somebody for your farm. Here's his number. So I pick up the phone. I called David Obermiller. David was working on Son of Zona Farms in Arizona at the time. And I shared with him who I was. Never met David before. And we went through the vision. I went through the story. I went through what, what's God wanting to do. And 
as I was talking, David was giving me insight. And David was giving me, well, you need to do this. You need to do this. And as we were talking, you ever have a, you're having conversations when you can, you can feel that in the very conversation you're having, God's spirit is moving. God's spirit is moving in that very conversation. And, and towards the end of the conversation, I paused and I said, David, I don't know you. But I called you to get advice on what we should do with our farm. But I feel convicted to ask you a question. Would you be interested in coming and running this farm for us? And then David proceeds to tell me his story. His life story of of how he had left Souls West and went to work on a farm for the very reason. The very reason that God had put in his heart that he wanted to see agriculture connected with education and he had a passion for that and he had spent the last four years on this farm learning all the aspects of running a farm wanting to see how God was going to move in that and here I am giving him a call and it's just unbelievable how God works fast forward a few months later because I could be here all morning telling you all the details but David accepts our offer we come in, we come, he comes up to Fresno, and we're sitting there, and we're looking at this dirt together. We have absolutely nothing. We have no infrastructure. We have nothing. It's just a big plot of land. And we were able to, through our budget, we were able to find some resources to give David some money to come. But I had no money for anything else. Nothing else. About two weeks, three weeks, I guess it was after David got there, I had an individual come and sit in my office. And they said, Eric, what you're doing here on this campus is of God. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. And he said, you need the resources to make this happen. And he sat there and he said, you know what? He said, I'm going to work with you and we're going to partner with you. And I'm going to personally guarantee $150,000 line of credit in conjunction with a conference to help you get jump started. You need to get it going. So I went to the board. They, they approved it immediately. We got funding. Um, about two weeks later from that, I had another individual who is a, a local dentist in the area. Came and met with me and said, Eric, he said, I've been waiting for 30 years. 30 years. To see what's happening here on this school happen. He said, I want to be a part of it. He called David up. He said, go down to John Deere. Pick out whatever tractor you need. He said, it's on me. And so David went down. I believe it was around 30-something thousand dollars. um, Picked out the tractor he needed. They custom built it for us. And I can go on and on and on of how individuals have been raising up to come up and alongside of us as we as we raise up this farm, and as we go forward. I want, to, I want to share with you as well, and I want to be careful, but I'm going to share with you from my heart. Um, Fresno Avis Academy is a conference school. Um, and I work for the Central California Conference. But I believe that when you look at integrating agriculture in education, we are, we are 
lacking sorely in schools that are conference schools that are following this. And I told David, I said, David, I said, I don't want to go work at an independent school. I don't want to go work at a self-supporting school. I want to show the world and show the church that a conference-supported school can do what God is wanting to be done for his people in the end times. And I want to be very careful because nothing against self-supporting, nothing against independent. That's wonderful. God is raising that up. But I believe that, that too often our conference-supported schools and our schools in that manner, while they are led by good people, too often we are, we are, we are leading from a point of weakness and we're leading out of fear instead of leading out of what God is going to do through faith. And by that I mean we're always afraid of, well, if I do this, I'm going to lose some kids. And so I need to keep this program even if this program is not in line or not in harmony with what God is asking for this time. And we're afraid to let go of it. We're afraid to cut it because we're, well, we may lose some kids. We may lose some kids. So we operate on a basis of fear. And that basis is leading to a continual decline in our enrollment in our conference schools. And it's no, I don't, I don't believe it is, is any, um, any secret of why that's happening. It's because we as a system, as a system, by and large, have moved, have moved from God's true plan. We have. And I'm part of that. I'll tell you, I, I'm, I'm a huge sports guy. I, I, I'll just be honest with you. I love sports. Atlanta Falcons are, are I love I love football. Okay, but you know what? For the times we're in, for the times we're in, do we need to be spending so much of our resources, so much of our energy, so much of our effort in athletics in our school systems? Or do we need to be shifting those resources into areas that are much more in line with what God is going to call to raise up to, tr- to develop true character in our youth, to be able to stand for the right and face what is coming before us very, very quickly and very soon. And so I, 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 I have to say, we've got to realign ourselves. And we have to look at that. And we have to look at what, what we're going to be doing. I just finished my master's, my master's degree from La Sierra University. And in, in my, master's, my master's project, they gave me the latitude and they said, they said, Eric, you can do a project instead of just writing a thesis. And so I did a project, and my project was centered on integrating agriculture into K-12 Adventist education. And, and this, this master's research project that I was able to present to faculty at La Sierra, um, I was able to dive into the spirit of prophecy and combine it with current research. There is so much current research that is out there, that is validating, that is validating what we have been told a hundred plus years ago. It's there. But you know what? Sadly, sadly, too many people, too many people will only start to listen if it comes from secular research. And they're afraid to listen if it comes from the spirit of prophecy. 
But that's, that's, that's the life we're in and that's the world we live in. And so this project, this, 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 this paper that I was able to do, I was able to dive into research. And I'm going to transition now. And I do not see a clock. So you're going to have to help me out here. Where's, how much time do I have left? Okay. So I got to be careful because I can, I want to go into the meat of what we're doing here. Um, so I'm going I'm to transition. I'm going to share with you some specifics of our farm, what we're doing, how it's working. And I want to share with you a, a quote to begin with. Um, Education, page 219 to 220, Ellen White states, No line of manual training is of more value than agriculture. Now I'll repeat that again. I got a couple amens. No line, no line of manual training is of more value than agriculture. Let the teacher call attention to what the Bible says about agriculture. In the study of agriculture... That the pupils be given not only theory, but practice. I want, to, I want you to, to um, keep that quote in your mind here. Because I, I, have, I wanted to tie it in with another quote that I have from current research. A study was done in Africa in 2011, and it states, experiential learning has long been the foundation of agriculture extension and education, both of which emphasize the importance of learning by doing. Too often in our school systems today, and I'm a product of it, we are teaching to the test. And we are teaching kids to simply have rote, just, okay, you go and you, you can just get this information, put it down on paper, and move on. But that is not developing true character. And, and people and parents are longing for education that is real, that, that, can, that can have hands-on. Now, I'm not saying we do away with math and do away with science and English. No, we've got to have that. But it needs to be integrated. And, and, and I, I can tell you that if we truly will look at ways that we can integrate the agriculture into the curriculum, we will have waiting lists on our schools. At Fresno Office Academy, over the last two years, okay, and I say this to God's glory, I say this only to God's glory. But in the last two years, since we have begun this farm, there are 28 schools in the Central California Conference. Of the, all the enrollment growth, Fresno Academy accounts for 50% of it. We have been growing exponentially. I do not see that as a coincidence. I do not see that as, well, this is good marketing. Or, or no, it is because our board and our community and our constituency has come together and we have said, you know what? No matter the cost, we are going to rise up and stand up and do 
what God asks of us during the, for this time. And parents want to be a part of that. I have, I have a non-Adventist family who is driving an hour with five kids. An hour. And they drive their kids to Fresno Academy for the singular reason because we have an organic farm. They are a wonderful Baptist family. And they said, you know what? We want our kids to be a part of this. We want our kids there. And you know what's happening? This is the second year they're, ne- they're there now. Now their kid has joined the, our choir. And he's performing at our local churches. And their parents are coming. And they're being in our churches. Our educational school system can be the single greatest evangelism opportunity we have in our school if we stand up and do it right. And we follow God's word. I can go on and on. But I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm going to transition here. And I'm going to share with you um, about the farm and some specifics and show you some pictures and walk you through what we're doing and what's going on. And then I will I'll close with a story. So, do I need to point this a certain direction? I'm pressing the... I... I'm pressing the forward button. There we go. Okay, so to give you a little background, this huge building here was a vacant shop that had not been used for a long period of time, just dilapidated. Okay, great. Um, and so what we did was we gutted it and we, we converted into our farm operation center. It's, it's where we're operating the farm out of. And we spent much time developing a logo, developing our name. And I could spend a lot of time as to the meaning of this, but I won't right now. I won't take your time. But that's, that's a picture of our, of our operation center of the farm on the campus. Can you take the next slide? So this is from the parking lot looking out here. And if you can envision, this was just nothing but dirt. Okay? What we have begun, the philosophy we're doing, is intensive cropping. And we are starting with a, a CSA, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with, community-supported agriculture, whereby what we're doing is, is we are developing um, multiple different varieties, different products, different produce. Instead of just all tomatoes or all corn, we have lots of varieties and we are then selling it to families in our community. And each week, they will then get a box of, of produce. And they can either customize their box or they can get just a standard box. And we've, we've developed relationships with different entities within Fresno. And we go, and those are drop-off points. And we, 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 we go and we take the, the boxes there. The families come, they pick up their, their box of produce at that place. So that's kind of the model that we're operating under as well as um, a wholesale market to where we, mark, we, we provide produce to, certain or, to, to organic um, restaurants, organic um, places there inside of Fresno. Again, just some pictures here. This was, this was a ball field, okay? This was, this, was, this was our old football field at Fresno Academy, the back part of it, okay? And... And we've taken down these old goalposts, and we've tilled it under, and and this 
These are, we've got two high tunnels and then we've got two new greenhouses that were donated. And um, that's, what's, that's what's being done there. Now this is the cool thing. This is what gets me excited right here, okay? And, and because this is why parents want their kids to be involved. And this is what Ellen White, I believe, was talking about. Not just growing produce, that's good organic produce, but, but teaching the kids. And so we have our fourth graders who are integrated right now into the farm. And they're doing projects. They're going out, they're, they're recording samples. They're going out, they're, they're, they're taking um, measurements. They are u- integrating their math into the, um, the farm by, by in, their, in their classroom, they're learning, they're learning about fractions and learning about this and that. So then they go out to the farm and they learn to apply that with the amount of fertilizer that's put out and this and that. And they integrate it together so they can see how it's useful for them to know these fractions and useful to know this math. How can they actually apply it to their life? And what's it mean for them? And I got parents calling me, and they're like, Eric, <clears throat> my son, he's loving math now. He hated it before because he would just sit there, go through, the, go through it, and saw no purpose for it. But now he gets to go out, and he gets to record samples. He gets to be involved, and he gets to see how he can use that math for real life and make a difference. These kids, many of these kids... They, they have no clue where food comes from. None. They, they go to the, and I, I was probably part of that as well. You, go, you just think, well, you go to the grocery store. And it just comes, it's just there. It's, it's always there, right? You go, the society we live in, we just go in there and there it is. It's just there. And so to watch a, a, a plant go from the tiny beginning all the way up, these kids are amazed. They're, they're loving it. a hard time with this thing. There we go. You can see one of this is just a cute little picture. Uh, a little kid, a kid that just found an earthworm, and he's like, what do I do with this thing? What, what is this thing? And you can see the expression on his face. He's like, oh my goodness, what do I got here? We also have on the camp, we have organic chickens, not organic chickens, Okay. Organic eggs, okay? We have chickens. We have about 40 chickens, maybe more than that now. And we've, we have a roving cart, and you can see that white fence. Is, it's this electric fence. And we take that, and we, we go and we rotate it throughout our citrus trees, and it's used as fertilizer. And then we're able to add the organic eggs to our farm as well. So families are able to get their, their organic eggs there um, as well. Again, some more pictures of our, class, our, our, our students on the farm um, taking measurements, taking, um, doing their, their classwork there outside. Uh, again, the kids are just excited. They love being outside and they love being a part of, of doing this. They, they, they're, they're, they're beginning to ask, when's our farm day? When, when, can, we, when can we go again? When, when's our next time? So in our high tunnels, we, we, we 
begin growing the, the plants as from seedlings, and then they get transplanted out to the, um, the farm. And I'm not going to go into to a lot of the specifics because I really don't know. Uh, David does, and that's great. He can, he, can, he can go through exactly how it all works. But the high tunnels there, the kids are able to go see how that works from a plant from the very beginning up through maturity. We have a website we developed and um, fam- families are able to go online and see that. How many of you guys here have heard of Airbnb? Okay. Do you know how it started? Two guys in San Francisco, 2008. And um, there was a convention in town. And all the hotel rooms were full. And so these guys were broke. And they said, you know what, let's, let's, let's start something. And they created a little website. And they blew up three, three air mattresses. And they said, here's three air mattresses for sale in our house along with a cereal breakfast. And they put it on this site. And they sold out. They sold out. They, they, they sold all three of them, along with their cereal breakfast. Over the next few years, that company has grown to where now it is valued at $25.5 billion. $25.5 billion. They, they have hotel rooms that, uh, that far surpass Hilton and everything else with, with, with homes that are operating. If you know the model, it's, it's homes that, that open up their home. And so there's far more than even Hilton or all those, those hotels combined. Why do I share with you that story? I share that story because people at the beginning mocked them. They said it will never work. You'll never make this work. You're, you're competing against giants. But they, through determination, through effort, they saw it through to reality. In Adventist education... Many people have said, farming's outdated. Farming will never work. Farming was back for the, ni- the, the 18th century, 19th century, not for now. We need to focus on technology. We need to focus on, on this and this. I say, no. I say, yes, our kids need to be focused on technology. Our campus, we also are, are highly innovative with technology. All of our high school kids have iPads. And they utilize the iPads. But why can't? Why can't we empower our kids to be creative? Why can't we empower our kids to utilize technology in com- com- combination with agriculture? To provide new things and new ways to experience what God is wanting to call for them for their lives for now. I want to close with a short story. And... It's a story from when I was serving in Palau. My family had the opportunity to serve as missionaries on the island of Palau. If you don't know where Palau is, it's in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, um, close to um, uh, the Philippines. And I was serving as principal there of the high school as well as the elementary school. Our high school campus, we were on a large, large parcel of land, and I had a guy who came up to me, and he said, 
Eric, I want to help, and I want to cut down some trees and clear the property up. I said, great, that's wonderful. So he would come, he would come on Sundays, and he would, he would clear brush for me and, and just help, volunteering. Our school was staffed primarily with student missionaries, just students who take a year off of school to come and, and be a teacher there. So this particular Sunday, most of the teachers were gone out on the ocean. They, they were gone snorkeling, things like that. This individual was on the campus, and he was clearing, and he was burning some brush. He took a lunch break, and on his lunch break, he, after he came back, the wind had taken this brush fire, and it, it, it had spread, and there was now a fire on our campus that was not a massive fire, but it was definitely a large fire. Well, he was the only one on campus, and he was a local plowman, and he panicked. And he got in his truck and drove off. Got in his truck and drove off. A few hours later, when the student missionaries come back to campus, there's a raging inferno on the campus. And I don't know if any of you have been to Palau, but Palau is a, there's a, a fire department that has one fire truck, okay? And, and so they came out, as well as what's called the Seabees. The Seabees are a division of the U.S. Um, Navy, I believe. And they do humanitarian work and different things. And they came out. And at this point, the pastor's house was here. And my house was very close. And they were flat concrete roofs. And the flames were in the trees. And the firemen along with the CBs, they're like, they're like Eric, you're going to lose the campus. But we're going to go and create a firewall. And so they were going to get their the bulldozer to start bulldozing so that it was so contained there. Because in Palau... There's two seasons. You got the rainy season and then you got dry season when it just doesn't rain a lot. And it was just, it was just brittle, brittle. And we, we got up on the top of the, the pastor's house with a hose and the flames were, were I, I kid you not, from these chairs to here. And we we're just sitting there hosing. And the flames were approaching the school. At this point, the pastor says, we've got nothing we can do except for prayer. And so the firemen were lined up on the, the driveway, along with the Seabees. Flames I, I, uh, in the trees, everywhere. And if you look outside today, um, it's, it's a pretty clear day, I think. It, it's pretty sunny. This is how it was. It was hot, middle of the afternoon. Not a cloud in the sky. And so we knelt down on that, on that roof. And the pastor cried out. He said, Lord, save our school. And the, the, the mission, the student missionaries took turns praying. As they stood up from their prayer, a black cloud appears in the sky. It comes over our campus, pours rain on the entire campus, dissipates, and blue sky is left. The fire is gone, and the firemen's mouths drop. The CB, they're like just standing there. And we burst into the doxology. Why do I tell you this story? I tell you this story because I believe with all my heart that God is longing for the fire of the Holy Spirit to be poured out on his people. But that spirit can only be poured out on hearts that are cultivated and hearts that are ready and willing to receive it. And it is up to us. It is up to us. To be in God's word. To be searching scripture. To be searching the spirit of prophecy. To seeing how we can um, be in line with where he is wanting us to go for the times we are living. 
He's calling and he's longing to raise up a people, to raise up an army of youth to finish the work. And I believe that the time is now. You, you, the, my, my, the topic of my sermon is, is it's time. And I want to finish with a quote from Ellen White. And I, I, I will ask you to give me a little bit of latitude in this quote because you may not have heard it read quite like this before. But I'm going to, to read it and hopefully you will understand. The greatest want of the world is the want of students. Students who will not be bought or sold. Students who in their innermost souls are true and honest. Students who do not fear to call sin by its right name. Students whose conscience is as true to duty as the needle to the pole. Students who will stand for the right, though the heavens fall. Let's pray as we close. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to share about what you're doing on our campus regarding our farm, regarding agriculture. Lord, I just pray that these individuals, as they go through their conference the next few days, they'll be blessed by their seminars, blessed by the meetings, Lord. And most importantly, Father, as they leave here, yes, we want more knowledge in, in planting and in harvesting, but Lord, the singular most important thing is that we leave from this place more connected to you, our Savior. So I'd ask that you would bless us, Lord. Go with us now. In your name I pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.